When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Offload Delay podcast, officially the second podcast so far, but it's the inaugural first guest podcast. Boy, do we have a humdinger for you today. Um, got a very special friend of mine coming on the show here shortly, a person that is more than a friend. He was actually a, a close colleague of mine for the last, uh, for many years of uh, my paramedic career. Uh, he's still a paramedic and just an all around great guy brought this weapon of a guy on so that we can um, hear some of the insights into our paramedic world and some of our stories of working together over the years. Uh, my friend's name is Troy Ward. Uh, been a medic for quite a long time. I'm going to let him introduce himself here shortly. And in fact, uh, there we have Troy right there. Say hi to everyone, Troy. Good to... Uh, hi out there in podcast land. <laughs> good to see you. Uh, be on the show, Brad. Yeah, it's Good to see you. Glad to have you on. I just think it's going to be a, a great start to this pod to let people kind of have a little insight into our history. Uh, we worked together for many years on the ambulance. We were partners uh, through some pretty good times, some bad times. And yeah, and you, uh, you I just wanted you to let everyone know how long uh, you've been a medic and kind of what drew you into this career. And what other interests do you have outside of the paramedic world? I know hockey is one of them, so I'm going to let you just kind of introduce yourself and remove myself for a minute here. Okay. Well, my name is Troy Ward, as Brad stated. I, uh, I've been a paramedic for 31 years. Um, I started, well, how I got my start is kind of odd. I was playing hockey uh, junior A, tier two, I got hit in the knee and I could not wait bear. So I had to go by ambulance for x-rays to I think it was Ottawa hospital. Doesn't matter. Anyway, so I'm riding in this ambulance and I'm looking around and, you know, looking at everything and I'm like, geez, maybe this is something that could interest me. So I guess... I, uh, I, I talked to somebody that was close uh, in the paramedic field and uh, they informed me of all the uh, details that I needed to become a paramedic. So um, I went, got all my qualifications, enrolled in a college part-time in Bancroft and 31 years later, Hard to believe it's been that long, I'm sure, Troy. We didn't meet up at the beginning of your career, that's for sure. Um, you had worked quite a while before I managed to hook up with you and, and, and to grab you as a partner. Um, what? Where were you starting out? Were you in your hometown? What were you doing then? How did that pan out? It was, it was kind of my hometown. It's where I resided in the little town of Colburn. And... Uh, that's where I got my first start. It was basically like in the province of Ontario back then, I believe there were six hospital based ambulance service. There were maybe another 30% ministry run. Maybe that number is a bit high, but the majority were privately run services. And so I got my start in that little town of Colburn in a non-union, one ambulance on-call service. And boy, did it wake me up in a hurry. 
no doubt. How old would you have been then, Troy? At least what? 18, I was 20, 20 21. Yeah. yeah, I was just on that. So hard to believe you got 30 years in and you're only 28 now. Yeah, uh, the, the math is kind of uh, difficult yeah. to, to compute, but no. Nope, drinking the, out uh, of vases. There you go. It's, uh, we're going to get into why you're drinking out of a vase here uh, a little <laughs> bit later. You're a big hockey guy. You're, you're, you introduced your story there saying you were playing hockey, and that's how it all started. And you've been, uh, been basically featured yeah. in the local media ranks for, for quite mm-hmm. some time. I, I believe this one is a junior level one in Hawkesbury when you were playing at that level. Junior C, is it, Troy? Junior A. Junior A, Bob and that Hurt, was prelude. Bob Hartley, those years. And Bob we know Hartley Bob now. well known as a champion at every level, including last year in the KHL. He won the championship with Avangard. So, and I still stay in touch with Bob. He, he's been a great friend. He's been a, a good ambassador for me, especially. So, And I know hockey's had a big part of your life, a uh, big role in your yeah. life. You're still involved. You're coaching now with a, correct me if I'm wrong, East Coast or Eastern Ontario Elite League. Is that the... Uh, Eastern, they call it the Eastern Ontario Super Hockey League. What it is, is um, it's senior A hockey. So it's players from 20 years and up. On the day to your 20th birthday, the next day you're eligible. And you can, if you're that good at 95, fuck, have at her. Yeah, no kidding. We're always looking for good players. It was great to see you get back into it again. I know you love it and you got a passion for it. And um, you're going to be doing the community a great role by having you having you in there. And fortunately, the team's real close to my home. So I get to go watch you now in a, in a different role than I used to get to watch you on the ambulance. So let's uh, fast forward. 31 years later, you've been sitting there in that chair. You had a vision of this job when you first started, when you were 20, and you thought you'd get in and you'd see some things. But looking back 31 years later, how do you see the career and the way it panned out compared to that first day? What's changed? What what what's uh, what vision is is it? Did it bring or did it did it destroy? Well. My whole intention when I first started out was you always set goals for yourself. And mine was to hit 35 years. And unfortunately that didn't happen 31 and I'm done. Um, when I first started out, we, we weren't even classified as paramedics. So this was back in 1990. Um, we were basically, you know, band-aid crews, crews, diesel therapy type thing. But, like, for an example, my very first shift being paid, where I was actually on the books, um, I'm on call, pager goes off at 2 in the morning, and the next thing I know, I'm going to this accident on the 401, really unknown still, like, my, obviously, I'm green as hell. And we get there, and there's five obvious deaths from a head-on on the 401. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, do I really want to do this? So then I go back, and I talk to my, you know, my partner goes home. Here I am, this newbie, sitting in a little shack down by the railroad station. Every noise in the world kind of, you know, wonder what the hell's outside. But uh, so I call my mother at like 2.30 in the morning. No, probably about 3.30 in the morning. And uh, I said, you're not going to believe this. I said, I don't know if this is what I want to do. I said, I'm looking at people decapitated. I'm looking at, you know, dismembered. It's just, I'm like, is this, it's not real. I almost thought I was in a movie for Christ's sakes. And, you know, I pondered. That weekend, that was the August 3rd long weekend, the civic holiday, I pondered of saying, this isn't for me. Right. But then there was something inside me said, this isn't going to be like this all the time. Right. But back then, you, you talk about mental health. Back then, there was no, the only mental health was the patients we picked up and transported to hospital. You know, aside from that, it... Uh, so I found that a struggle, and obviously it's uh, it's impacted me as I move forward. Right, and I, I I started after you did. I got into it a little later than you, but 
even when I started out, Troy, the, the early stigma was if you showed any kind of emotion or any sign of being upset or affected by these calls, it was almost a sign of weakness and they were, it was frowned upon. And that's, that's the way it was. It was a thinning of the herd and there was no thought of the mental aspect of the, the toll that it's taking on the responders, all of us out there. However, now you've had to unfortunately uh, admit that you're dealing with PTSD officially and, and understandably so directly as a result of the career that you've given to the community for the last 31 years. And my question to you is, how, what were some of the signs and at kind of what point in this career did, were things obvious to you that you were going down this path of probably having to deal with some mental health issues as far as PTSD or, or was it gradual? Well, it was, so I left June of 2018. And I would say two to three years leading up to that is where I noticed changes and my wife especially noticed changes where like I would, I would sleep by myself. I didn't want to be near anybody. I, my anxiety levels, my anger issues, especially I was starting to, you know what, that I just was losing my shit. There's no other way to, you know, and then, then you think you can escape reality by drinking beer and, you know, it just kept compounding and I would drink more and more and more. And, you know, booking off sick, I'm booking off sick and I don't have sick time. So really, that didn't mean a lot to me, losing pay and affecting my pension because yeah. I just couldn't deal with it. I was always going to be afraid that there would be a time where I just say, you know what, somebody's going to fucking get smacked here. Yeah. And I knew that would be the end of me in my career and any sort of, you know, possible positive rehabilitation. And that, that self-recognition is so important, but I think it's so much, it's the difficult part of the PTSD for all of us there. It's like when you have to realize, is this a bad day? Is this just I'm having home troubles or is it all wrapped up into one big ball of mental stress and mental health issues? And for you to recognize that, it's very commendable. But well, I know there's, go ahead. No, I, I was going to say, at first, it really, you know what, my wife was the one that really started noticing kind of my demeanor where I would bring work home. And, you know, it, I, I think she really wanted to say, can you turn around, go outside, come back in and be a little happier? You know, in hindsight, that's what it was because I uh, I was getting angry and then I, I, I was like an ECG. I was up and down. Let's be honest, too. We were never trained how to deal with that stuff. We were, no. There's nothing in the programs. I'm not 100% certain today, but I, I know when I went and when I was involved teaching and when you were involved teaching and with students, there's nothing about how to um, transition your professional life from your home life from and, and everything else in between. It's just Absolutely basically not. figure it out. And unfortunately, they teach us how to lift, how, to, how they tell you to work out. They tell you to get stronger physically for these patients but they yeah. don't teach you anything mentally on how to care for yourself. And I think this podcast is going to be able to convey a very important uh, message as well as uh, reveal some very eye-opening facts due to the fact that we basically are left alone with that a lot of the time. Now, I'm, I'm going to just highlight some things, Troy. Sure. Um, you and I, the people out there, the, the audience, anyone watching right now, won't necessarily know that we work together as a, as full-time partners for several years. And I ended up leaving that profession. It's such yeah, a tough profession that just constantly grinds and grinds. I'm still doing the paramedic thing on the side, but I chose to jump to the fireside. And you were one of the very first people that I told that I was doing that and making that change. And I remember you saying that day, you wish you could make a change because you were also feeling it. But my, I was dealing with the same issues. I didn't know how to cope with it anymore. Not only the stresses of the job, but the stressors of the employer and the lack of respect. And I know you might have some very good words on that about the stuff, the shit we deal with in those ambulances day in, day out. So let's just talk about meal breaks, Troy. You got you got a regular lunch every day on the ambulance? 
<laughs> as you know, there's not a chance. Yeah. Um, my whole career, I'm going to, I'm going to narrow it down to that. My whole career was you ate when you got a chance. It really wasn't difficult when you worked in a small service, but as you progressed into larger services, the less chance of getting a meal break uh, were, you know, it was less frequent. You ate when you could. You ate on a clipboard. You ate with somebody, you know, with the shits in the back, all these smells, you know, all the, all the sights and stuff you got to deal with. But you know what? That word hangry, and, and I was notorious for that. I would just lose my shit if I didn't get to eat within a, a reasonable time. But yet there was no support anywhere. You know, we we would do 10-hour shifts, as you know, before we got a, a meal break. And you know what? You're eating on the side of the fucking road yep. just and not and not communicating with CAC because they're gonna, you know, they're gonna burn your ass and use you for a call. It doesn't matter where you are. There's the meal breaks and there's the washroom breaks. There's the fact yep. that we're off pulling the ambulance over the side of the road to have a quick pee at the side because we've just we've been running, that many running, times. running and hangry is right we're, we're all guilty of it and that then ends up getting between people like you and i so we get going yeah, at each true. other after a long shift and we have no real issues with each other but it's just we are so stressed and so worn out and so underappreciated that you're just drawn in much. and you end up having to take and you and i've had many of occasions where we had reset after a shift We'd call each other, we'd go for a drink, we'd grab a coffee, whatever, and say, like, look, that wasn't us. Let's do this again. No. And it's yeah, it's no. it's not us alone. It's all of these services out there. It's the cops, it's the it's the others, the agencies, and especially the medics. It's just people don't know how overrun they are and how underappreciated. Now, yeah. now let's give a great example that you gave me a while ago. I wasn't involved with one of your worst calls that you've done as far as traumas. Mm -hmm. You were involved in a motorcycle accident that was kind of epic, but the way it was resolved after, or the way it was not resolved, the way it was dealt with after was just so eye-opening. So just, yeah. just tell us a bit about that day, if you will. So we were in the province of Ontario and, you know, in Eastern Ontario. And we got this call. I wasn't working with Brad, obviously, at the time. I was with when we had two partners, um, my other partner. So we get this car versus motorcycle and they happen frequently in the summertime. Let's, you know, without a doubt, this one was pretty unique. This one was uh, a car versus eight motorcycles. And when we pulled up there, like I, one of my strong points as a paramedic has always been triaging is because I uh, I worked the 401 corridor for so many years, and I learned a lot about triaging. And it's something you had to do, like a hundred car, hundred and three car pileup on the 401. You learn pretty quick how to do the the triaging. Um, but going back to this call, so I don't want to get into details about no, no. What, what happened, but but there was fatalities. There, there fatalities. were multiple fatalities. And you were the first one on scene. So you show up with your partner Absolutely. and you were yep. there first. Yeah. So let's fast forward to um, a so-called debrief session, if that's what you want to call it. And it was pretty much amongst peers. You know, there was nobody, there was nobody delegated to say. So were, you, were you taken off the road, Troy? Sorry. Were you taking off the car? Were you no, taking off the road? Absolutely not. We're all doing it after viable patients were unloaded at hospitals. Right. And, uh, so it was out in the parking lot in the ambulance bay, and so we're kind of consulting with each other. And um, there was no leadership. There was no. Everybody's looking at everybody, and they're like, "Shit, man, you guys okay? You know mm -hmm. what? What are you thinking?" Well. Honest to God, because we're the triage crew, we came to the hospital because obviously I got to match all my tags up and anybody as a paramedic would understand a triage system. But 
because we didn't transport anybody on that call, we get a call from dispatch to go to a possible VSA hanging. And, and this the is calls, the call's fresh, Troy. You, you've just dealt with you know what? dealing with multiple casualties. There's yeah. at least four people that were dead. Yeah, and just absolutely. because those dead people were not transported in your ambulance, they figured, oh, you're free to go. And it's yeah. just disgusting. And the thing they oh. want you to go to is now a hanging. So yeah. not even a, a a mundane call, which I don't know if it makes it better or worse. It doesn't really matter. But they don't even give you time to no. debrief or off gas from that and, issue. And just, the hanging was, you know, a, a teenage. Yeah. So, so you know, it just gets make worse it and worse. Yeah. Absolutely. And at the whole the whole time the employers, and I'm gonna say this right out there, they tout how much they're there for us, they tout how much they support us. And the odd one is, and I think you and I will agree that there are individuals within the employers, within the employers that we work for that really do have our back. Yes. But we also know that a lot of it is smoke and mirrors, and we're gonna have a lot of agreement with the viewers out there that are involved in this industry that yeah, they might give us a hand if it's eight to four Monday to Friday, or if you've missed a meal. They're going to give you a $12 credit on your pay stub for a, a missed meal where really what you need is the downtime and the time to decompress a little bit and get renourished. It's just simply disgusting. And I think that call alone is it's one of the more extreme cases, but it was not unheard of day in, day out to quickly clear from calls. Don't worry about yourself. We got more calls to do. And the, yeah. the ambulances, the, the numbers aren't increasing in our province, that's for sure. And they're wanting well, to do cuts half the time. And if you didn't bullshit, which I got to be good at afterwards, because you had to come up with a reason to say, can't go, can't yep. go. You know what? Not my fault. We don't have staff. It's not my fault. The province neglects to put more paramedics on. It's not my fault. We're not an essential service. You know, yeah. all that shit. And for me that day, it was like, because of the nature the age, we ended up going. And you know what? I uh, I came back and uh, I'm just like, I'm done. But that's the I'm good done. in you. That's why you yeah. do this job and that's why you've done it for that long, that you still answer those calls. You yeah, could, have, you could no. have booked off sick right then and there. We have Absolutely. the ability, in our, but we don't. We deal with it afterwards. And I think it's important to highlight the fact that all the people in these industries are these types of people. And sometimes the smoke and mirrors needs to be kind of cleared away to show what's really lying underneath, which is what we're doing now. So yeah. you're off now indefinitely, probably going to finish your career off this way on a PTSD leave. Yeah, you're having I'm, to seek help. I'm done. You're, you're seeking help. You're doing the right thing. You're reaching out to friends. You and I golf every once in a while. We still hook up at the hockey rink and you're seeing actual professionals, which is ideal. But I know that road wasn't easy. I know no, that you had to use some of your own sick time and that you had to basically prove that you weren't bullshitting someone. Exactly. That you were just looking for a freeway out. And that's the fight that we all have right now. And I think that's the fight we need to represent moving forward to try and 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 bring this into some some clarity. And I know that you've struggled with it and I commend you for an amazing job. You well, you, you have a fantastic family. Um, we all have our coping mechanisms and we're going to get to that in a little minute in a bit, but I just want to show people something here and I want you to kind of explain while you're off on PTSD, <laughs> you're sitting there, you're trying to figure out the end of your career. You're trying to figure out how this actually came to be the way that those 31 years are unraveling. And this is really nothing you could envision. Suddenly you now have to deal with this. <laughs> yeah what what is that troy that would be my house going up in flames and when was that still a bitter pill may no 17th of this year so as if you didn't have enough going on already no exactly you have this beautiful setup you have a beautiful yard mm -hmm. there it is before where you it was your pride and joy you used to yeah, you used to tell everybody sure. how great your outdoor world was and it was you had a hot tub set up you had um outdoor smokers you had cooking and it ends up that a simple incident a simple mistake a simple flaw 
ends up doing this to the entire inside of your house. Yeah. Yeah. Just devastating. Pool pump, pool pump out back and overheated. The, the switch didn't trigger. And so now you're dealing with that on top of things and it's COVID, right? Yeah, it's been a hell and of a You are a solid individual to get through that with your family had you over shortly, not shortly, but within a reasonable amount of time when you were willing to come over and we had a good chat about it. And yeah. when I first contacted you, you didn't even want to talk about it. Another thing people won't realize was that fire was in the area that I serve as a firefighter now, as the career that I left working with you to join. Yeah. I was fortunate enough that day I'm going to say it right now that I was unable to go to that call. I wasn't on duty. I was called in and I wasn't available, but I knew right away what was going on and my heart sank. And I don't know if it was good that I didn't go or, and I don't know if it was bad. I'll, I'll never know that answer. But once I heard you were safe and fine, things were a lot better. Um, but my goodness, I know now we've moved on to this, <laughs> this is a, an excavator now that's uh, basically ripping down remnants of your pride and joy. It's your homestead. Yeah, absolutely. So that brings me to that vase you're drinking <laughs> out of right now. Yeah. Just so everyone knows, you've had a struggle. The fire was what date again? Sorry, Troy. May 17th. Of this year, 2021. You know, let, me, let me just bring something up too. Back yeah. Then. yeah. Um, about you feeling, you know, should I have been there? Shouldn't I have been there? When I saw the flames first start, in the um, out back of the cabin in the pool pump, I thought I could actually get a a hose and maybe do something about it. But then when I went back and I saw, oh my God, how fast that's gone! And then I got to contribute uh, a big, you know, thanks to the Belleville Fire Department. You know what? They were there in five minutes and thirteen seconds. And that's what they were faced with in that short period of time. And unfortunately, the wind was blowing to the west or coming from the west to the east. So it blew right into the house. And uh, I mean, yeah, this is what we're left with now. That's Unreal. beautiful. Yeah. And I know, it's, I know it's hard for you to look at these, but it's important for people to see that not only do we deal with PTSD from work, but we have the same trials and tribulations outside of our work as everybody else, too. So yes. we have to also find that balance. Everybody has traumas. Everybody deals with issues. But we choose to go to work and we choose to immerse ourselves in it. And all we wanted and all we need is a little bit of support. No one knows that you're going home to that at the end of the day. And no one wants to know that. But kudos to you, uh, your support unit. Right now, that was in May. Right now you're living in a rental, I believe, right? So yeah, exactly. we, you're, you're uh, a little low on drinking glasses, so we've got the vase <laughs> out. And that's true Troy fashion, everybody. That is yeah, what, he, 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 will he will improvise at any given situation. Yeah. But right now, I mean, yeah. here's I'm Troy. watching TV on my front lawn. So was this camping. was a trailer. This was a trailer Four that months. was put on your city lot where the house burnt down. And that's how you spent your COVID summer of 2021. Yeah. There's a, you have a wife and a pup and everyone to deal with. And then you're trying to, to sort out your own work-related issues along the way. Oh, and you're yeah. trying to sort out the insurance issues along the way. What, like I just, kudos to you. You're a super strong individual. Yeah. And I know, I know that it's not all doom and gloom. I know that. No. Because I know you too well. And you're, I wanted to bring you on for a very specific reason. Because you got a great sense of humor. And you got a great, you're not afraid to call, call things the way they are. Yeah, I've been so just give me a sec, okay. meow. Just give me a second here. I have to just show yeah. the audience something here. So I'm going to just play this for everybody. All right. How about cat game? Cat game? What's, uh, what's the record? Thorny did six, but I think you can do ten. Ten? Starting right in meow. <laughs> ah, sorry about that. All right, meow. Hand over your license and registration. Your registration? Oh. Uh. Hurry up, meow. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> There's something funny here, boy? No. Well, then why are you laughing, Mr. Larry Johnson? 
All right, meow, where were we? I'm sorry, are you saying meow? Am I saying meow? I, I, th I thought you... Don't think, boy, meow. Do you know how fast you were going? <laughs> no. <laughs> the reason I played that was very, very particular. I know you and I had a hell of a good time with that clip throughout our career together. <laughs> and people, people need to know that you were the meow champion of the paramedic <laughs> world, especially when we were together. You definitely had the records. We would often go to calls that it's important people know. Now, we're not talking where we got to have our game face on all the time, but we could pull those meows off like nobody else. Right, meow? You got her meow. <laughs> you were even good enough that you would get dispatch going on the radio sometimes oh, on a recorded airwave and everyone needs to know those airwaves are restricted. We're not allowed to swear. We're not allowed to do anything other than true business talk on those radios. But Troy could always slip in meow and make the day that much better when you're on those calls. And I think you were in the teens on several calls. We've had people where you do meows the whole way to the hospital and they still, oh, yeah. oh, but yeah. it was all in fun. No one was ever hurt by it. Most of them don't even know. They, they still, every once they in a while, they would, yeah, they would have no idea. Yeah. But I think that's part of what I'm getting at next, which is basically coping mechanisms. It's how we cope. We're yeah. a little dark. We're a little dark. We have a little bit of fun. Um, <laughs> you have to. I know you and I have had some fun calls. It's not all doom and gloom. We have uh, laughed a lot in the ambulance and usually not in front of families or patients, but we keep it to ourselves. But there was a particular instance when you and I were helping move a a lady, I think you should tell tell everybody this story about how how a call can turn from nothing to quite hilarious within a few minutes, and now hilarious to us. If yeah, it's offending be... anybody, it's not meant to be, but we're able to to convey this message quite easily. So yeah. let's just start with we had a female patient, be... right? Yes. Well, I'm not going to elaborate a lot on it because. It was just nothing went down intentional. It was just uh, one of those freak things. Somebody, I believe they needed morphine. There was a, they couldn't wait there. They were in bed. And you know what? There was, uh, let's say, minimal clothing on. And we have a <laughs> different styles of lifting people. And so we had to log roll. And when we log rolled and where my hand was, it kind of went somewhere where it really shouldn't have. And I'm going to say it, Troy. I'm going to say it if you don't. <laughs> well, I, I just, yeah. Yeah, went, my thumb went right up her ass. <laughs> and and there's no way people would believe that hearing it on the sideline. No. I remember you approaching me after the call going, um, you'll never believe what just happened. Well, You're never going to believe this, the way we lifted her and your hand slipped. Something happened. No harm, no foul. But we definitely, you had the best grip on that patient that we could have asked oh. for. Just say that. <laughs> now, it's not and all crude. I did it's have my blue glove on. That's right. And it was totally professional. Sometimes oh, we have yeah. to encounter nudity. Sometimes we have to do certain things that the lay person would not understand. Exactly. And this particular incident was one where I will not forget that ambulance discussion after that call with you and how we were going to possibly change our lifting strategies from that point on to either ensure it never happened again or it always happened. That I think we were going never happened. Well, um, the, um, I, I knew I like, I don't know if you even noticed the difference in me. I was like, I shut right down. I was like, oh, yeah. damn. If Troy's you know, quiet. It's, yeah, I know. It's, uh, yeah. I was like, shit. You know, absolutely, literally, literally. Yeah, absolutely. So, so and then we like, had another one. I remember put her down. We got to put her down. <laughs> well, you did right though. You, you resolved the situation. Yeah. You oh. fixed everything and we were professional about it. Now we were heading back one day from an out of town call and we yeah. got tagged for a suicide and now nothing funny about that. We'd got called for a gentleman that had taken a, a gun to himself and decided to end it and we rerouted it to an out of town area for out of town area for that and i remember showing up to this scene it was outside and an officer approaching us and pointing to where we had to go and it was our job at the time just to confirm that truly that it was a fatality or or if if not oh. 
But as we were heading there, I remember being stopped in my tracks. And one of us had stepped on a nose. And no, the officer was beside himself. There was actually an entire nose out of the vehicle, out of this, the, the scene of this horrible call. And all we could do was laugh. Like, who can say that they've stepped on an entirely intact nose in the middle of a grassy field on the way to a call? And now the police need us to give us our... That's right. And then we had to give our boots, remember? We had to show our treads as evidence because now it's a crime scene. And now our treads are listed as evidence on that nose print as an incidental happening. So I think um, we we have a lot of stories. We could do a whole show on the shit we've seen, the stuff we've dealt with. But I want to say as well, during the job, you actually get some perks. So in this screenshot (laughs) here that you sent me, this is going back to when we were working together for sure. There's a gentleman there on on the on on our our left, your right in the picture. And that's who? That would be Mr. Leahy, Jim Leahy from the Trailer Park Boys. And boy, were they popular at that time. Who unfortunately has passed since. That's right. Yeah, we've lost him since, but he was a tremendous laugh for you that day, I remember. But not as much of a laugh as the lady. Who's the lady there, Troy? Well, I had no clue. And I was sitting there talking to Jim and, uh, man, he smelled like booze. So truly it does. You know, it, it, it is him when they say, oh, does he drink offset? And that? Well, I can assure you that he was pissed. <laughs> and so all of a sudden I said, come on, Jim, let's get a photo. And this girl, as you can see right in the photo there, attractive young lady, reaches around and grabs me right by the balls. I've never smiled so much in that, you know, in a picture. Look at me. I'm happy as fuck. But people <laughs> don't realize the risks of our job are yeah, all encompassing. There's she a could lot have more a razor blade and cut them right out of my sack. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's getting close now, for sure. Yeah. I, uh, I, well, I just know that the job comes with some, some trials, some tribulations. Uh, first responders in general face uh, challenges that the common public that aren't involved have no idea. They have no idea. Plus, we have our own challenges that we face at home. And outside of work that everybody else has on top of it. So I know for whatever reason behind me, you can see a, a silhouette of my dog. And I know hmm. you're a big dog person. Oh, yeah. And I know um, I'm just going to flash this as a tribute. When I was working with you, that was your boy, Jimmy. And yeah. Jimmy, we've lost Jimmy, unfortunately. But Jimmy, Nine days before the house fire. So now we've got, you've lost your dog. Yeah. You're off on PTSD. And now you've lost your entire house. Yeah. It's All just, within a two-week span of, you know, two of the three occurrences. I and, love Jimmy. Uh, I remember you getting Jimmy. And I know Jimmy was there for you as much as my dogs have been for me. And I think that's an important point is um, a lot of us responders relate very, very closely to pets, specifically dogs. Absolutely. It's kind of an outlet for us. And it's the one who's home when we get home off of a bad shift and everyone else is doing their normal business hours and we're off or, or whatnot. But I also know you have a big support support group. You have two two beautiful daughters. Uh, oh, yeah. Twins. Twins. Twin daughters, yeah. yeah. Again, Smart. hard to believe that they're, they're your daughters Nine. just because <laughs> of age. Age alone because they are... They're university age now or, or and beyond. They're full adults and you're only 28. So again, it's it's, yeah, a, it's exactly. a fantastic thing. So here, your beautiful girls there, they turned out amazing. They've had to yeah, endure a lot of the stuff with dad over the years. Dad's brought mm-hmm. a lot of stuff home, but look at how well they've turned out. Uh, you've obviously been able to keep them in a situation away from all the crap we're dealing with and provide them everything they need. And I know one of them is now doing a, a graduate degree. Is that right? And Hallie's doing her master's in public health at Ottawa U right now. And Hallie is in the, which color? Uh, Hallie twins, I never knew. On my right. Hallie on your, my okay. right in that right. picture. And, and both my girls other are daughter, Brooklyn, she, uh, she's doing her nursing. And she wants to carry on beyond that. And she's looking into her nurse practitioner. 
So Very she good. just doesn't want to stop at nursing because I don't think Brooklyn, Brooklyn's like her dad, doesn't like foul smells and puke. <laughs> Yet he dealt with it for how long? Yeah, I know. I, I don't know how. I don't know how the hell we did it, or I did it, and you know, but for me personally. Let's be honest, though. Um, I'm gonna switch you back here, Troy. I don't want that one there. This lady here. Yeah. This is this is your lovely wife. This is my wife, Carol. And she's been through all, all of this stuff we've talked about with you lately. Absolutely. And you've actually merged a couple families. So she's had her children as well that are dealing with, and you've come out on top and you're doing very well. You're in a rental right now. Your house is getting rebuilt and you're still pushing on. And Carol's also in healthcare. Yeah. So it's another, another level of uh, stress, fatigue, emotions that comes with it. But I know, I know you lucked out with Carol. I know she's been your rock and she's actually, as you say, the one who has been the one to help you address Absolutely. some of this PTSD. And it's, it's mostly from her recognition. Individual. Yeah. Mostly from her recognition. And that's really important for everyone out there, right? We, Absolutely. we often don't see it ourselves because we live it. It's gradual. Often it just kind of slowly creeps in and we just think it's who we are, but we're so much different than what we were on that very first day. So, I got to be thankful for, to her, you know, like just anybody could have said, I'm not dealing with that shit and said, I'll be honest, Troy, just not anyone's dealing with Troy. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I get it. And, and that's, that's kudos. But I mean, and that's in all the best way. Troy, Troy no, I mean, is a, a fantastic person and he's strong and he's stubborn and he's, if he wants something, he's hard headed, he's going to get it. And it takes a special person to deal with us and to deal with Troy specifically. And uh, Carol's fantastic. She enjoys to have a pint with everyone else too. And then she just messaged right in. So I wanted to say hi to Carol. I haven't seen her in a bit and we wanted to definitely acknowledge her here. So let's just stop for a second there with all the the, the tributes, if you will, I, I need to kind of just ask you as we get close to, to wrapping this up, if you had one or a highlight of those 31 years, is there a specific event? Is it, is it, is it the people? Is it the patients? Is there something that is the highlight of that career of yours that you need to bring forward? Because unfortunately, it's, it's ending on a sour note, and it does for most people. You know, I, uh, it's pretty hard to get a positive out of so many people's miseries. Um, I guess what I could say that's really gratifying, that has been gratifying, there's a lot of paramedics that will never be part of a delivery of a child in their whole career. And I've been part of 11. That's incredible. And you know what? It's uh, I obviously the mother does all the work. We're there to, you know, stimulate, do the APGAR, and if there's any emergency intervention, then we we get involved. But still, to be part of that and see such a positive outcome, you know what? I guess that's probably what I can say. Um, other than the fact too, when you get people they come back and they send you letters, they send you pictures, they want to take you out for lunch and just recognized. I know early on in my career, it happened um, an unfortunate event again on the 401 involved a little boy and, you know, um, I was able to reach in a car that was starting to burn and, this little boy was stuck and not to blow my own horn or nothing, but I don't think the outcome would have been very good. I know I didn't have an ounce of hair on my arms when I got out of the car. And I have this, I had this couple, um, they sent me letters. They were from Eastern Canada. So they sent me letters and they sent me pictures, which I still have. And, you know, that, that to me, sometimes that'll, that's a choker. Um, so, so that kind of stuff, when you see the positive outcomes, you see this kid, how he was wrapped up in bandages and 
being in a burn unit all the time. And, you know, he was in there for months upon months. And, you know, for them to send me pictures of his progression in life, I think maybe up to 12. And then I haven't seen. So I guess that's probably gratifying in the 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 post call right you know it's i hear what you're saying and we could probably reiterate that story a hundred times over you and i mentioned it earlier before we actually started record was there's so much stuff that we could talk about that we don't even remember half of it and it really starts to flow so i know we're going to have you back I know we're going to have different episodes and you're going to, if you're welcome, if you're wanting to come back, I, I really want to have you on. Um, once everybody gets to know you and see, it was important for me to, to introduce you to the podcast audience that's out there because you're a big part of what got me to this point as my partner all along. And I think that's one of the highlights that I would rec- uh, want to, to mention is the friendships that you create with certain ones, not all of us. We certainly don't like everyone we work with. (laughs) Nobody does at any job. But when you're with a partner and you're in the trenches and you're just getting through these horrible or these challenging or these frustrating events over and over and over, years down the road, you come out and you look back and you have a bond with that person that it's, it's undescribable. And I think that, that, that is almost priceless. Now, I know you're going to be excited because you're on this podcast. I I just don't know (laughs) that it was um, meeting this level of excitement, if you will. We said you're a big hockey fan. And there you are with the current, let's call him, he's got some competition now, but he's definitely one of the the greatest we're going to witness, right? And you got to meet him, and that was when? That was in 2014 in Anaheim. That was, when, I, uh, I know you did a big trip down and you got to meet a bunch of NHLers and it was a, a, a dream trip yeah. of yours. Yeah, yeah, it was a friend of ours, uh, Matt Bolesky, that played for the Ducks. And we just happened to be there when Montreal, Toronto, and Pittsburgh were in town. And Unreal. Uh, you know what? I, it is, what an experience. You know what? It's like, you know, reliving a, uh, you know, a, a hockey dream of your own, but not to that, <laughs> that extent. Right. To get that inside view is unbelievable, yeah. and you would, you would bring it to us. We were getting the signatures, oh, yeah. we were getting the shirts that you were that you were getting signed. We were seeing the close up pictures and getting the real stories. Right? They have their own back yeah, back absolutely. back behind the scenes stuff, same as we have. But you also have another passion, and you've really taken on to that in the last little while. And I know that um, trying to get her load up here. There we go. You yes. sent me this picture of your, you love to cook. I'm uh, you're, you're become a, a smoking connoisseur, not of cigarettes. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, good for you. I know that you're, you've become kind of notorious in the area for the, the stuff that you're preparing and you find a lot of therapy in that too. I know you I find do. a I lot of. A, I can escape. It, it's like That's I'm right. focused on doing the best I can with uh, doing my meats, smoked meats, prime rib, as you see, or your, the picture you have up. Right. Just beautiful. And it just, it's like uh, an escape from all the past. And, yeah. you know, I've been dealing with a great lady as far as my, uh, you know, for the PTSD. And she's guided me like no other. And, Good. and, it, and it took a switch for me before I found the right therapist. Right. Doesn't mean your first one's always going to be the one that's key for no. you. And, and I think case, we're going to do a whole discussion on the, the mental therapy side of it eventually. And we're going to include yep. you in as a guest and we'll probably have a couple other people on the panel. Um, it's just fantastic that you're willing to come on and tell your story. Um, people can reach you through Facebook. I think is basically where your, your, social media lies right now, right? You're pretty much Troy Boy Ward on <laughs> Facebook. And we know that was a, a secondary thing after your first account got hacked, but the, it, the, the irony of it all isn't lost on me. I love that handle. It's not, um, it's not my wrestling name or my porn name. <laughs> no, no, those are different, right? They're different yeah, hashtags. Totally. But, uh, so I don't Troy Boy Ward, <laughs> I see you're wearing your hashtag, I've got your back shirt, and I'm going to yeah. mention them. Uh, they're a great 
great. The girls got me this shirt years ago. They're, and they're a company that was started, I believe, around 2014, and they're actually going to be a guest on here, and they've been a supportive uh, factor in this pod. They, they have great merchandise, fantastic looking stuff, but they also were started to promote mental health awareness and first responders, basically what we're talking about on this pod today, and to contribute financially to the resources needed to help us as responders cope with the mental baggage we've got. And I encourage people, I'm going to pull their logo up here in a minute, but I encourage people to check out I've Got Your Back 911. They're a great um, source of gifts for non-responders you don't have to be a responder but the yeah. money is diverted back in and they have a whole range of products stickers decals hoodies shirts hats and uh, i think it's really great that you're you're supporting them today so before we go okay advice for new ones the newbies if they're starting this career right now troy what are you telling them what's the truth honestly this is an easy one for me it's do not let do not let calls eat you up. Do not feel that if you say something, you're going to be considered a wimp, um, that they're going to look at you as, oh, you can't do this career. I strongly suggest now that the, um, the system is getting better, it's definitely nowhere near perfect, but there are improvements to mental health for PTSD. Um, just don't let it eat you up. Talk to people. Talk to peers. Talk to therapists. Don't bottle it up. This is a new world now, and we're you know we're, we got to move forward in a positive way. And by you stepping forward and seeking help, it took me twenty five years before I wasn't afraid to say you know what, I can't deal with this anymore. So my best advice is for anybody that's uh, wanting to be part of the, the 911 system is feel free to, you know, let it out. If you don't let it out, you're going to bottle it up. And I've used the analogy, and maybe you, some people can think about this as well, is like when you start your career, it's like putting a plug in a bathtub. Every time you see a traumatic call that has an impact on you some way, shape or form, it's like pouring water in the tub. And eventually there's so much water in that tub, there's nowhere for it to go. So it has to overflow. And that overflow usually is PTSD, breakdowns, where you can't basically deal with stuff anymore on your own. So before it even gets to that level, I would say, speak, don't be afraid. Fantastic words, Troy. They really are because there's a lot and we'll, we'll get into that later when we touch on the mental health. There's a lot in this career that isn't actually even taught. They don't yeah. teach you how to deal with these things. Um, Absolutely. That's the best resource you have out there are the people that have been there have done that now. That being said, my advice to new hires is you don't know it all. <laughs> and the, and the, number one, the number one reason to prove that you don't know it all is you look at someone like Troy with his 30 years in or me touching on my 20 years. We actually know less now than when we started because the more we see, the more we realize we don't know. We know a lot. We well, figured true. out a lot. But I think that's, that's a good sound advice. And don't, uh, don't be afraid to reach out to us right? To us people. Absolutely. I've told people that. Yeah. And I think uh, I'm really appreciative of you coming on the show. I, I, I'm going to finish the three, the guests that I, I feature when you're on. I'm not going to ask this every time you're on, but I'm going to have the same three <laughs> questions. So first of all, just to kind of steer away from the actual paramedic side, just more on the person side, this show is meant to be a fly on a wall. It's the fly on the wall of our world, offload delay when we're sitting there chatting with our stretchers and all the stuff and all the real stories come out. And we learn about your roasts and the fires and the dogs and all of that stuff happens. So for you, if you could be a fly on the wall anywhere to anyone, who are you listening in on? Where would you want to be? <laughs> Work related? <laughs> no, anything, anything. 
What would Troy want to have an inside view on? You know what? If you would ask me that maybe 10, 15 years ago, I'd probably have more answers. But now I have this. I don't give a shit. Good man. You know what? If somebody wants to talk about me, go ahead. You know what? Is there anything that intrigues you? Like you wish you had more of an inside in, like even a, a great kitchen, a great chef or something, just something. You've seen the hockey world inside and out. Well, and that's you know I mean? the culinary and photography. Yeah, I yeah. you are. Yeah, that's another part we didn't even get into. Well, yeah. because I get you out in nature and stuff like that. And I just feel that's, uh, you know, that's a breath of fresh air as well. Right. Well, I'm learning it. It's, but okay. yeah, that's, that we'll take that. I'll move on. You're speaking like a seasoned veteran. You're like, you know what? Whatever. I've seen lots. I don't really care if I see much more of anything. And that's a great answer. So we've talked about food. And we often talk about food when we're together. Lots of it. If you could eat one food and one food only the rest of your life, what are you having? Troy's Montreal smoked meat. Smoked meat. eh? Just day in, day out. Good for you. Yeah, we're going to try and get this thing on the the, uh, distribution line. Cardiac arrest for uh, sodium overdose. As you've seen, though, it can happen to anyone at any time anyway. So, you know. True enough. All right. I'm going to close on this. Sounds good. And this will be different for you as it will be because we're going to have non-first responders on here. Okay. What what is the smelliest place you've ever been? Uh, I'm going to say the rental I'm in now. (laughs) Damn, I'm I'm living right beside the shit plant. Oh, really? Depends on what way the wind blows. You know, it's like you got to shut the windows. Yeah. I know you're in a beautiful building. Like a oh, and structure. No, I'm not complaining about that at all. It's but nice. People to have out it. there that don't know, they basically built it along the water. And, and the water in this area has our shit plant right there. Yeah. So yeah. good answer. Yeah. Troy, good I gotta thank you. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, I, uh, been nice. I, I, uh, it's good to catch up with you. It's good to share your story. And we're going to have you on again. And I encourage people to reach out to Troy on his Facebook. Um, if they have any questions about anything from roasts to, to fires to hockey to, to paramedics even, who knows? You might have a few answers about that. Yeah. But, Troy, we're going to sign you out now. Um, thanks again for joining. Thanks we're going to see you again me. real soon. And I'm just going to kind of close out here with uh, mentioning again. Um, I wanted to thank I've Got Your Back 911. This um company is doing great things and I encourage you all to check them out. They have a website, which is, uh, I've got your back 911.com. They're going to be supporting this podcast. They're going to be showing some swag and I'm going to definitely have representatives on to give their side of the story as far as what they're doing for us as first responders and how amazingly their business has taken off. This podcast is part of the deanblundell.com network. This I can't say enough about Dean and his crew. They've made this possible. They've given us a voice. Dean is one heck of an individual working for the better good of everybody else, and it's working, let me tell you. Thanks to DeanBlundell.com for supporting this podcast and for supporting us as, as responders. You can watch this podcast on various um, outlets. I'm going to actually switch to this one. We're on DeanBlundell.com. We're on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. And if you want to reach me, you want to reach out, Instagram, offload underscore delay, Twitter, at offload underscore delay, YouTube. I have a channel there. You can subscribe. I encourage you to subscribe to offload delay, separate words. Facebook, a little lesser use for me, but it is on there. Uh, Just my name, Brad Hopper. And that is where we're going to leave our first pod. Really good show amazing information. I I hope some eyes have been opened out there and I'm very happy to have been able to introduce Troy, a very close friend of mine and excellent, excellent colleague. Can't say enough about him. Look forward to our next podcast. We're going to try and do these on the weekly. Uh, I'll be releasing out my, uh, when this, uh, the pods are going to be shown on my socials. And just keep an eye out for the links there. For now, that's it, everybody. Stay safe. Look forward to bringing you the next episode of Offload Delay. Thanks for tuning in.
Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. Do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.